Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And welcome back to some sort of the Clear Jets podcast where it was Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, we're sitting here. Day one of the NFL draft has just wrapped up. The Jets with a pretty big shocker, I would say, selecting Will McDonald. We've been saying it on this podcast every time we talk about the draft. We can't look at the draft like a shopping list for for needs, and we promise we're not going to do that this offseason. We're really going to try to go in with the best player available approach, and of course the Jets select a player that we have not talked about at all on this podcast. And I think many Jets fans are in that boat. This is a player that I don't think many people know a lot about, have, have watched too much about. Michael and I have watched a little bit about him, uh, but I we're not going to pretend like we're, we're experts on, on Will McDonald here. But we can certainly speak to uh, the impact of the Rodgers trade, uh, the thought process behind the pick, and uh, previewing day two. So with that said, Michael, how are you doing, man? How are you feeling day one of the NFL draft? Well, I think the point you made is the first thing that came to mind when this pick was announced, because we talked about it the whole time, this pre-draft process. You know, let's not go off the shopping list. Let's not assume there's just one need that the Jets are going to attack here. Um, I, I feel like I got myself more prepared this year than previous years for them to make a surprising pick because it always happens every single year, like we talk about. And that ended ended up happening again. But at the same time, it still wasn't. It was so surprising that it still wasn't within the scenarios that I had opened my mind to. You know, I was thinking wide receiver is something that we are considering could be um, an outside the box possibility. If they don't go to tackle, maybe even a defensive tackle and the edge rusher was also in that mix as well. But even looking at the edge rushers, they could potentially go with, I still don't think McDonald was in that mix really for anyone who was talking about it, uh, potentially being the pick at this spot. So uh, yes, I was a little more prepared for something outside the box because of what we've talked about on this podcast in recent weeks. But even with that, this was pretty surprising. So like you said, I don't think it's our place to be overly critical of a draft pick when we're not, you know, experts on the film of that player, because you have to be, if you're really going to, you know, if you're going to be overly critical of a draft pick, you have to know the player just inside and out. And we're going to be completely honest. We're not in that spot just yet. We're going to get there. We're going to watch more film of him and really get to know who he is. Um, and we're looking forward to doing that. But until that point, it's hard to be overly critical of anything because that's where all the knowledge is of a draft prospect and you just have to be versed on it. And we're not quite there yet. So I'm not going to be overly critical of any pick uh, until I, you know, I've really dug into them. But with that being said, 
there are a few reasons this is a peculiar pick, which we'll get into. Yeah, there's a ton to break down uh, with the selection and, and kind of the fallout of the pick. And I would say the general consensus on, on Jets Twitter uh, is fans aren't too happy. Like you said, I think a lot of that is just based off people haven't watched him. I think when people do watch Will McDonald, uh, I think they're going to see a talented football player. And look, you can criticize the Jets' philosophy. Uh, it certainly seemed like they... Uh, I can't say with absolute certainty, but you would imagine that the Jets wanted one of those four offensive tackles. All four of them go off the board. Of course, New England has to screw the Jets right at the, the 11th hour. If you're assuming that Broderick Jones was the pick, which isn't a, a 100% sure thing, but that would be my guess is that they wanted one of the tackles. Uh, all four of them went. They probably tried to trade down, couldn't get an offer uh, that they were comfortable with, and then they took the best player on their board, which means to me that this is a player that they love. As much as fans want to criticize picks when they – aren't as familiar with the player or they weren't expecting the pick a lot of times in the first round, not every time, but a lot of times it signals to me that the GM and the franchise has confidence in this player. This is a player that they really love. It is an outside the box pick. There's certainly uh, other picks that would have satiated the fan base or maybe would have filled a need, but instead they went with the guy that they believe in. And I think that's part of the reason I'm optimistic about it. Obviously on this podcast, I generally try to bring the glass half full takes, but that's how I feel. And I think we need to watch more of him before we have a educated opinion on, on who this player is. But from the brief uh, sample that I, that you and I have watched, I like him. He makes a lot of sense for, for what Robert Sala looks for in his pass rushers. And I think it makes a lot of sense when you look at it from the perspective that the Jets aren't going to be able to re-sign Bryce Huff next year. Who knows what Carl Lawson's future is? It's possible that maybe he's not on the team this year, although they've said they're trying to keep him, but he certainly won't be on the team next year. JFM is a guy that the Jets might look into trading next year, just when you look at his, his contract and what they could get for him. So the future of this defensive line uh, is is not necessarily set in stone. And so it makes sense why the Jets would want to invest in it. It's certainly when you consider that the Jets are going to have to be paying Aaron Rodgers a ton of money in 2024. So it's not like, okay, we're going to lose these guys, but we can still go pay a bunch of edge rushers. Instead, the Jets have to address this need early. And it reminds me of the quote that uh, Joe Douglas had last year. A luxury today is a need tomorrow. And I think that's something to live by. If you draft as a general manager, if you just draft to fill needs, uh, that's how you get fired. You have to draft the players that you believe in. You don't know what this player is going to be in three years. If this player is Khalil Mack, all the Jets fans that are, are calling this the same old Jets uh, move are going to look like idiots. Uh, and that's just how it goes. You don't know what your team is going to look like in a few years. You don't know what type of player this is going to be. And so you just have to take the players that you love and believe in. And while well, I'm not going to act like I'm, uh, as we've said, we haven't watched a ton of Will McDonald, uh, but the one thing you can take away is this is a player the Jets love. And with that said, that you're talking about a GM who just took the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year last year. I feel like he deserves the benefit of the doubt. So let's hop into it a little bit here, Michael. I guess I'll start with this. At 15, who did you want them to take and who did you think they were going to take? Well, when they were on the clock, I mean, well, I guess leading up to that pick, you know, there were a couple of players who were falling that I think I was hoping to see get there. Um, I think Skaronsky went a little bit, a little bit further than maybe I thought he would go. So that was on the table for a little bit, but then the Titans picked him. Um, but then after that, it was the Jackson Smith and the Jigba train. And I, I was all aboard on that. Once Darnell Wright got picked, I think I was kind of on the JSN train because I know Broderick Jones was still there, but I wasn't the hugest fan of him from what I watched. And just some of like the other concerns that I've read about him didn't seem like as much of a Jets player to me 
as the other three tackles. So once they were gone and it was Broderick Jones versus Jackson Smith Najigba, um, I mean, I think I, I would have been okay with either. Like, I definitely would have been on board with the Jones pick. But comparing them to, I think I was starting to buy into the JSN hype. I know that's what all the Jets fans were. Yeah. Um, pining for on Twitter, but it's exciting. I, I was bought into it, and I, it is exciting, and I think there there's logic to it as well because the Jets, it's a like we talked about, it's a deep wide receiver group right now, but it lacks that you know Robin to Garrett Wilson's Batman, and, and I think Corey Davis could be that, but no Alan Lazard you know, love. I mean, Alan Lazard is there. He's got the He's chemistry with Rogers. No, but I, he has that chemistry, but oh. it's just you know Garrett Wilson gets hurt. Someone's got to step step up and be that number one. Right. I don't think any of these guys Nicole? can really be that. Like, yeah. I mean, in terms of just in terms of so. being a dynamic player, but I agree with you. I mean, I think their receiver is probably a position they should circle back to in day three to try to get somebody with who has explosiveness and can can win on si- outside. Uh, I, yeah, I guess I think kind of circling back to what I was saying earlier. And do, do you agree with me on this? If all things are, are equal. I think we're all assuming that if Broderick Jones was on the board, the Jets would have taken him. But we're only assuming that because the Jets have a needed offensive tackle. If the players are close, maybe they would have leaned uh, need. But if you look at uh, if their big board, let's say, had Will McDonald as their eighth best player and Broderick Jones as their 17th best player, you know, who do you pick? If you know, you have a massive hole at offensive tackle and you have a 39 year old quarterback. Fan base is expecting a tackle. Your GM has preached wanting to invest in the offensive line, but can you hate on a on a, a front office for going with the player that they believe in when it's an outside the box pick? Because that's what it that's what it signals to me. It's it's a player that they feel strongly about. Otherwise, I feel like they would have taken some sort of desperate trade down, or they would have gone for somebody who filled more of a need. You know, like a, a Brian Branch or a Collegia Cansey or or Jackson Smith the Jigba. So, how, how do you kind of feel about weighing uh, the reaction to this pick? Um, versus how the Jets might feel about it. Well, the quote you brought up from Douglas is, is definitely correct. You know, looking to future, potential future needs and not just looking at the current needs because a draft pick is a, you know, multi-year investment. A first round pick is four up to five years at the minimum. So it's not just about what's a need right now, this very moment. It's about what could be a need next year and the year after that. And even further beyond that. So when you laid it out, you know, the long-term edge needs, there definitely is that potential to, you know, need to add edge talent in the future. You don't know what's going to go, go on with Bryce Huff and his contract after this year. Like you said, probably unlikely they resign him, even if he has a good year. It could happen. They could bring him back, but you don't know because he's a free agent. Carl Lawson's probably going to be gone. JFM is up in the air. And like you said, with Rodgers and his contract structure and just all the backloading the Jets have done with all their the contracts in this roster, they're not going to have a ton of room for veteran improvements. So, you know, McDonald could be that type of long-term pick to where next year he fills in and that's your big upgrade at the edge spot because you can't make all those veteran additions. So um, I do see that side of it. But at the same time, I think we know what the mission is with this team it's super bowl right now this year and you know, maybe next year as well based on what rogers was saying um it, it's a win now sort of team so i just think and again we talked about it not forcing needs for the present so i just talked about but um you know it is a player who you stick him into this edge group it's already very deep especially with young talent 
and you try to project where he's going to make his impact. And it's, I mean, what is he going to play at most 30% of the snaps? Like you try to fit him in there. Um, you know, he's going to play a minimal role at a position that is already one of the deeper and stronger units on the team. So again, I, I see both sides of it long-term there's a potential need there and you do want to draft best player available. Look at the future needs and not just plug what's a need right now. But at the same time, this is a win now sort of team. And this pick right here was their best opportunity to improve this team, you know, throughout the rest of the offseason after free agency is already pretty much in the rear view. Doesn't seem like there's anything big happening there or a trade, you know, you know that, that they're going to make. That doesn't seem likely either. So this was their best route to improving this team. And we wanted that tackle who could come in and start right away and be, a, you know, key every down player offensively. Um, and then you end up with a guy who could be a rotational player at an already deep position. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit surprising. And then the player itself is also confusing um, because, you know, obviously the Jets, from their perspective, liked him enough to take him here. And that's all that matters. It doesn't matter the group think and the consensus big boards. Yeah, based off everybody's Twitter big all boards. That. It's like so, somebody right, replied to me and said, all the, all the Somebody replied to me and said uh, he, he was a second round pick, and I was like, yeah, according to your big board, after all the pro days you you've attended and the uh, right. in depth scouting you've done and back, it's like I'm gonna go with the the front office that just took the offensive rookie and defense rookie. Now you could reply and say they took Zach Wilson as well, but just comparing Joe Douglas and the work that NFL teams put into these picks versus random people on Twitter. I just don't think that's a strong argument. There are things to criticize and you're about to hop into them, but just looking at it from that perspective of, of what the consensus is, is just a dumb way to think about it. You, there are plenty of people and plenty of teams every year who go against the consensus and take somebody that people aren't thinking of that might be deemed a reach. And then three years from now, they might be the, you know, one of the better picks in the draft. You just can't predict these things. Right. So yeah, that's definitely true. Like I think that adds to the surprise of picks a lot to where, you know, everyone has a conceived notion of how good a prospect is based on where they rank and all these boards and stuff on the internet pre-draft, but that's just people on the internet writing about it. You don't know what the NFL thinks about them. So that's definitely worth taking into account. And it contributed to why this pick, I think, was met with a lot of skepticism because even if, because like, like I said, I had my mind open to outside-the-box ideas, but if it was going to be an edge, I was thinking... Nolan Smith was available there. He was a guy who I think pre-draft you thought of as, all right, I could see that if they're going to do something unique. But McDonald was never in that mix, really. So uh, I think that contributes to the surprise. But at the same time, you have to be able to, you know, draw that line between uh, the value of the consensus thought of fans, draft analysts, all those people, and then the NFL teams themselves. And, and, you know, NFL teams do stupid things. Like you said, Jets pick Zach Wilson. Not that that was stupid at the time, but, you know, they make mistakes. We just that, was the consensus number two. that was the consensus number two. That was the consensus number two, and all the fan base, or most of the fan base, loved it. Yeah. I mean. So no one really knows is, is, the, bottom, is the bottom line. It's hard to really judge right now. But um, it, I was a little discouraged by their press conference afterward. Just reading the body language, I didn't. It didn't seem like they were super. It wasn't like last year for sure. Pick. That's that's for sure. Yeah, they wanted it one of the really tackles. Seem like they, I mean, they were trying to sell me on. I mean, do you think because I, I not that he has you know uh, sources or anything, but Todd McShay was on ESPN. He said that the Jets had three tackles that they wanted, 
and none of them got there. So not the four that went off. So do you think maybe Jones was the guy they, um, like who do you think they would have taken him if he was there? Or do you think maybe he wasn't one of their guys? Hard to predict without knowing, but I agree with you out of, out of the four of them, Jones was the one that threw up the most Douglas red flags in my eyes. Uh, it felt like Paris Johnson was the consensus uh, offensive tackle number one. He wasn't going to make it to the Jets. Uh, Darnell Wright, I think, as the the draft as we got deeper into the draft process and I watched more of him, I was more and more impressed with him. And I think it's possible he was the offensive tackle that the Jets might not have taken because the only concern you could have with with Wright is maybe he's not the best fit for an outside zone blocking scheme, but I kind of would push back on that. I mean, he showed the ability to get out, move in space and, you know, run trap plays and, you know, pull. And I, and I just feel like watching him, it makes sense uh, why he was the second offensive tackle off the board ahead of Skaronsky. I, I know that's, again, pointing back to consensus mock drafts. That might have been surprising, but, you know, these NFL teams in, the, in their boards look different. And I, I guess kind of to, uh, I understand why many Jets fans are not happy tonight. And uh, we'll be commenting on the YouTube video and roasting us for having any sort of glass half full take on this. Of course, this is the same old Jets. But I would like to remind everybody that we are coming off of uh, a week where the Jets just acquired a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, this is also a position that the Jets just drafted in. Uh, or this is also a position that the Jets just drafted that they hadn't drafted for, what, over a decade? Before Jermaine Johnson, it was John Abraham right before then. And all I heard every single draft year or every single draft was the Jets are taking that dresser. You can you want to know how you win in football is you get after the passer. It's a premier position. The Jets have have neglected it. They need to take an edge rusher. And they finally do last year and they take one again this year. And yet this is not viewed as like a premier pick. I mean, I understand it doesn't fill a need. Uh the Jets didn't it seems like maybe the Jets uh didn't get who they were hoping they were gonna get if all things uh went their way. And most likely if the Jets liked Broderick Jones, although that Todd McShay report might dispute it, uh, got screwed over by the Patriots trading with the Steelers. So I understand that this isn't an A plus home run night for the Jets. Um, But when you look at it is they invested in a premier position. Uh, It might not be the most immediate position of need, but when you think about how Robert Sala wants his football team to look, it would be to have the best defensive line in football, you know, a defensive line that can survive injuries which certainly will happen in the NFL season, and that can can consistently get after the passer no matter who's on the field. You can keep these guys fresh by rotating constantly. So it's not like this pick has gone to, to waste. It's not like they just took a running back. I mean, they took a premier position, and next year this guy might be starting. And this year, if he's a rotational pass rusher, I get it. Yes, the Jets are a win-now team, but if the Jets are going to win and they're going to win in the playoffs, they have to get after the passer. I mean, you saw that in the Super Bowl. If you want to win playoff games, you have to, to get after the passer. You never know with injuries. You, you It's always a, a luxury. Uh, it will certainly help the team. They can keep their guys fresh. They can constantly rotate them. So this is a pick that... Uh, maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba would have been more exciting. Uh, maybe he fills a bigger need, although receiver, if they're keeping Corey Davis, it's like they do have their top four receivers. The, the one hole they might have is, like we were talking about, a more explosive guy on the outside that could replace Garrett Wilson if he went down. But I think with the Jets' current crop of receiving talent, tight end talent, running back talent, and whatever else they have in the draft, they have they have good weapons. Defensive line, especially a defensive line that's losing Sheldon Rankins, which is an underrated point that people aren't talking about enough. He was a big contributor last year and took a lot of pressure off of Quinn and Williams. And that's uh, pressure that they're going to have to try to replicate this year. I think the way they're going to do that is by moving John Franklin Myers inside a lot more of the time. 
we'll see what else they they might draft another defensive tackle. They might uh, sign another defensive tackle. But I would say if you want to have your best four playing defensive line, put John put John Franklin Myers inside next to Quentin Williams and rotate these pass rushes around. So this to me, yes, it's a long term move. Uh, yes, the Jets took a player they like, but yes, this does help the Jets win a Super Bowl if that's the goal. I mean, I, I understand that it didn't fill the need, but. If you can get after the passer, you can win games. So this is not an unimportant pick to me. Uh, let's talk about Will McDonald in specific a little bit more. And again, as uh, we have a little bit more time here to actually watch his film and read up on him, we, I'm sure we can have a more in-depth podcast about Will McDonald. But from what we've seen and from what you've watched and read about Will McDonald, the player, ignoring the positional value, uh, just the addition to the Jets defensive line, what is he bringing to the team from what you've seen? Well, look, I think he is a guy who, you know, even if the role is sort of, you know, situational to start, I think he can make an instant impact just because he does have so much speed and explosiveness and length to go with that. Uh, So I think there are tools to where you should have a good chance of at least getting a good situational pass rusher. And then hopefully over time he could add the weight and the size and the strength that he needs to hold up and be more of an every down player and potentially be a long-term starting pass rusher for or edge rusher for you. But in the meantime, I mean, just looking at some of the measurables and stuff, the arm length, that stands out just under 35 inches. That's 90th percentile for edge. Um, the biggest thing, though, is the broad jump, 132 inches. That's 98th percentile for edge rushers. And for me, the broad jump is the biggest drill that I look at for the Jets for both O-linemen and D-linemen, because it kind of shows the explosiveness that I think is really key on both sides of the ball for both of the Jets' schemes, because it shows you you know, how fast can they get off the ball, get past that line of scrimmage, and beat their man to the spot. I think it's key for the wide zone blocking scheme, and it's key for especially pass rushers on this D-line. So he has the length, he has the explosiveness. Uh, he didn't get to run a 40, unfortunately, but you know, it only takes a few seconds really watching his film to know that he would have blazed in that so he's in a great athlete he's a great athlete he's explosive he has length to go with that which adds to the potential so there's plenty of upside here it's just i think what fans are concerned about is how is he going to help them right now and what's his role going to be so you know is he just going to be another piece in that rotation just playing 20 30 percent of the snaps is he going to legitimately push carl lawson for a starting role, do they put JFM inside full time, like you said, and maybe that opens up a new starting spot that McDonald can compete for against Jermaine Johnson and against Clemens? And that and that's another question. You know, Jermaine Johnson, who you traded up for in the first round last year to get you him, can't ever have too many. Itch. His future, you can't have, right oh yeah, come you, on, you can't have too many pass it, rushers. Come on now, especially with this defensive line. I agree and the way with they that, call it. but again, like resource, resource allocation, this is too first round picks in a row now in that position you traded up for jj last year so it's yeah but look at someone look at where Salah came from he came from san francisco and look at look I, at the eagles I agree, too i agree deep strong defensive lines win in this league and you can't ever have too but many I'm pass just rushes. saying at some point you know you would hope both of these guys are your long-term starters these two or else you know one of them is like you know, did you need to spend a first round pick? I get that on a rotational guy. I get. I'm that. just saying. So I, I I absolutely I totally see what you're saying. I get that about having as many weapons as you can, but it's just you know you would like to see both these guys get the chance to develop and meet the value that was invested into them. What route do you think they'll take with this? 
Do you think they'll move JFM inside, or do you think it's possible Carl Lawson gets cut or traded this weekend? Uh, well, I mean, there still is that vacancy at defensive tackle. They only signed Quentin Jefferson. They never got another guy, so that hole is there if they want to do it. Um, I think that might be the move with this pick now. It's not something I thought was likely prior to this, but with this pick, you, you got to get snaps for both McDonald and Johnson. You want to give Bryce Huff his snaps. Carl Lawson deserves a chance to bounce back. There's a lot of mouths to feed here. And JFM gives you that flexibility. He can play inside. was a big-time pass rusher in uh, 2020 when he's playing that position full-time. And uh, these past couple seasons when he played it situationally, he was still very efficient playing inside. So um, he gives you – that was a big appeal of re-signing him or uh, signing him to the extension is the versatility he gives you. And a situation like this is a perfect opportunity opportunity to utilize that so you can uh, you know organize yourself at the edge position. Uh, so I think that would be my prediction right now, that JFM is going to go inside pretty much full-time, and uh, there will be more reps available at the edge. I mean, that's what we thought they were going to do with JFM last year. I mean, up until training camp. I remember arguing with Connor Hughes about that. I was like, no, they're going to play him at defensive tackle. He's, I mean, look at his splits as a three-tech versus an edge. And granted, I think JFM had a, had a good year. How do you feel – not to get too off off track here, but how do you feel JFM compares in, as his uh, in this defense? Because I know when he was playing three tech, it was under Greg Williams uh, as an edge versus a defensive tackle. Do you think the argument can still be made that he's been more effective inside, uh, or do you think his versatility as a, as a run defender, especially at edge, is is worthwhile keeping him there? Well, I think it would be interesting to see because you know his run defense in the previous game under Greg Williams. It definitely is a different role than what he would do in this game because in that defense, I think there was a little bit more patience required, holding your ground, two-gapping a little bit. Whereas in this defense, when you're, you know, if you're playing the run as an interior defender, it's more gap shooting, aggression, try to make plays, cause havoc, use your athleticism. And I think that fits him a lot better. And we haven't seen him really get to do that too much because whenever he plays inside these past couple years it's pretty much exclusively been on passing down so we haven't really seen him try to project into the you know the run defense in this game so I think it's something he could be able to handle on a full-time basis in this scheme and couple that with his pass rushing and be a good player so um, I'm on board with that I think that would be my preference right now prediction i'm not 100 percent confident they'll do that but this pick definitely has to push you towards that because if jfm is staying in the same role on the edge it's just someone's going to get a very low snap count in this group and uh these two first round picks they both got to get their snaps clemens deserves to play huff deserves to play lawson's obviously up there so i think jfm going inside really could open things up to make sure everyone's getting their opportunity. Out yeah. And look, he can still play edge on first down. I mean, I think that's the thing about McDonald. Yeah, he's yeah. going to have to add some weight because right now, yeah, he is probably more of a third down pass rusher. However, again, look at the, I mean, Bryce Huff, I don't want to say single-handedly, but he won the Bills game uh, at the end of it because the Jets were able to win on third down in passing situations by having speed off the edge. So third down pass rusher is valuable, um, but he's probably a guy who, 
We'll see how much weight he's able to add this offseason, but probably a guy who's only paying, playing in passing situations, in which case JFM was kind of already playing more defensive tackle. So either way, I mean, I, I, there are a lot of mouths to feed, but I think mouths will be fed. Injuries will be will happen. And if the Jets want to continue the dominance that they had on the defensive side of the football, which, look, isn't necessarily a sure thing. Yes, the Jets offense should be leaps and bounds better with having Aaron Rodgers. But you look at this defense, it's it's defense just isn't a surefire, consistent thing year to year. So you invest in what the the basis of this defense is, which is getting after the passer. Uh, Yeah, until we watch more of him, it's tough to give it a grade from a player perspective. I think a grade on the Jets draft night, I mean, what would you give it? I mean, I wouldn't give it an A. I wouldn't give it a B. If you told me, it's hard though because again, it's like okay, from a just a purely, did you fill a need? No. Did you get the player that you were hoping you got tonight? Probably not. No. So from that perspective, it's like okay, I don't want to give it an A. It seems a little homerish to give it a, a B. But then to give it a C, and then let's turn around two or three years from now, and let's say McDon- Will McDonald is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, I'll, you look like an idiot. So without watching the player, I just don't want to grade him too much. So I'm only going to grade it off of the what I would have thought beforehand and just the the, the night as a whole in terms of New England uh, screwing you by, by trading out, maybe not getting one of the guys you wanted, not filling a need. From that perspective, you know, it's probably a, yeah, a D, honestly. But the player could be an A+. And if the player is an A+, who gives a shit about draft night grades? So how do you kind of feel about that? I think a C is fair because I think to go anything lower than that is, I, I mean, I guess you could. Yeah, it's a Again, C. It I shouldn't have said on... D. A D would have been what, like a like the Lions taking Gibbs? <laughs> yeah, that was. Oh my god. Yeah, so that's true. That I can't. That, I'm not giving it a, a C. A C. That's a fair. That's a fair grade just based off of what we would have thought beforehand. But again, the player could knock it out of the park and bring it to an A. Yeah, I, I, and also one other concern we haven't brought up yet, the age. He will be 24 That's this year, true. so don't totally love that. The so athletic score balances it out I a guess, little bit for me, though. Yeah, and he also, his I saw his production went down a little bit this past season, which as a fifth-year player who's 23 years old last year. That's true. That's true. We that. could look into the prospect more and not like him as much, in which case the draft grade would go down. So maybe I shouldn't go completely glass half full in this podcast. But, you know, I just felt like the name of the pod is Cool Your Jets. This is how I actually feel. And I feel like tonight Jets sort of could use some some cooling down. I'm trying to, It feels like a lot of the – I mean, do you agree with me? It seems like everything I'm seeing is, is pretty negative on this without really – it seems like most people haven't even looked into him yet and they're coming to that conclusion. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think everything is exaggerated as per usual. I think there are legitimate concerns, which we've laid out. But, you know, everyone takes that to be like, you know, the end of the world just because one draft pick wasn't even touched the practice field yet. But um, so I'm not going to go to that extent. But, uh, you know, there are some concerns that I'm interested to see how they play out. And I think personally, I would have gone a different direction. I think Smith Najigba would have been my pick there. I think he has that potential to be a really top-end receiver, and I know he did fall a decent bit after the Jets pick. Um, I think it was 20th where this uh, where Seattle picked him. So, uh, you know, maybe he isn't, but we're all thinking he is. None of these receivers went till that 20th spot. Then there was a run four in a row. But uh, then again, what do NFL teams know? They picked Jameer Gibbs 12th. They picked B- the Falcons picked B. John Robinson 8th. All right, well, B. John's, B. John's already had. Good. Come on now. He's great, but I mean, Falcons already had a top three run game last year. I don't 
think that was Desmond Ritter's the quarterback, so just loading up on running backs. But uh, and pound. Yeah, I mean, just saying, maybe NFL teams don't know all that much. But nevertheless, <laughs> maybe I would have gone different direction. Uh, I know all, just about every Jets fan probably would have. But uh, just wait and see how it plays out. It's the same thing every year. Just wait and see. That's it. It's not worth getting you know up in arms about. Well, we talk about JFM uh, potentially being a guy who might have to switch positions. Let's turn our attention to the offensive line. And based off of the Jets not landing a tackle with their first overall pick, again, we'll see what they do in the second round, which I guess we can open up for discussion right now. I would say if if moving JFM inside and giving these these young edge rushers a lot more reps is the best move to have the best four guys playing defensive line, if you want to make the move to have the best five guys playing offensive line, it's, it's AVT at right tackle because the interior offensive line group uh, is is great for early day two in this draft. There will be somebody at, at 43, whether it's John Michael Schmitz, whether it's Cyrus O'Torrance, whether it's uh, Joe Tipman, if you want to go center. Connor McGovern does have guard experience as well, so they could draft a center and play McGovern at guard. I think if you want to invest in the offensive line uh, and you want to uh, quell the concerns of, of – of having a 39 year old quarterback behind an offensive line that is a bit in work in progress. And again, we don't know how the jets feel about Max Mitchell or Dwayne Brown. That is something to consider. Um, but I think if you want to have your best five out there, draft an interior offensive lineman at 43, again, not going to say they should draft to fill a need. They should draft whoever's, you know, the best on their board. But I think if you look at the board, the best players at that spot are, are most likely going to be interior offensive linemen at the very least they're going to be in the mix there. Take one of those guys, take which one you believe in. If there is somebody you believe in, bump ABT out to right tackle, and I think you have a, a starting five in front of Rodgers that you can get behind. How do you feel about that? It's definitely on the table, especially now that they've passed on the tackle in the first round, which we, again, we shouldn't do the shopping list because we all kind of assumed that it was just going to happen, but now we're sitting here and uh, there's a little bit of a dilemma. So it's on the table. I know they said at the league meetings, I think it was Salah who said that, you know, they're projecting him as a guard. And uh, I, I still believe that they're probably going to do that. But as the offseason goes on, things will happen. An injury could happen. You know, guys cannot look great in training camp, whatever. I think it could be on the table later on. But, uh, but yeah, if they like one of these interior linemen here in the second round or um, trade up into the third, whatever it is tomorrow, uh, it definitely brings some options onto the, in, onto the table. And I think... AVT's versatility, just like JFM's versatility, I think gives you that um, you know flexibility to where you could put your best lineup out there and uh, organize your depth chart in the way that works the best for everyone. So it's it's an option on the table, but I do think they are going to prioritize putting him at, at guard because I do think that's where his potential is the highest. I think they could, I think they view him as a potentially elite top three guard and maybe a good slash very good tackle is probably what they see him as. So I think they're going to try to put him at guard, make it work at tackle. However that goes, you know, maybe they could Dewan Jones from Ohio state is still on the board as we sit here in the first round is about to end. Matthew Bergeron. Maybe they can grab him here. Bergeron from Syracuse. Um, and uh, in free agency, your guy, Cameron Fleming, maybe you could pick him up. Nice stopgap to get in there. So uh, they could have different routes to tackle to allow them to survive there. And, you know, maybe it works out perfectly. Dwayne Brown's healthy. He gives you decent play. Becton's healthy. And he is, fulfills his potential. 
that could also happen. Max Mitchell breakout, that's on the table. So maybe they figure out tackle. ABT stays a guard. I think that's what they're going to try to make happen. But um, there also is the other route where they love one of these interior linemen and they think the best five includes AVT outside. But uh, I do think guard is what's going to happen. But I wouldn't rule out, uh, you know, what you said, putting him out of tackle and finding a way to get more talent inside. So what players uh, are you are you hoping to fall to 43? Is there anybody you have your eye on? I guess, I mean, we're on the offensive linemen. Again, not treating it like a shopping list, but since we're talking about them, what guards and tackles? I know you just mentioned a few in Dewan Jones and, and Matthew Bergeron, but is there anybody in particular you're, you're rooting to fall as we look at round one closing and the players that are still available? Yeah, I think Dewan Jones is probably up there for me. Um, just looking at him a little bit, he is great. Um, production in college, really as good as any other tackle in this draft. It's just the size concerns, which you know the Jets are used to, so it would be concerning, but I think he would be a good value if he dropped to them. Um, the centers, obviously, none of them have gone yet. Um, John Michael Schmitz is still there. Joe Tippmann from Wisconsin. Luke Weipler from Ohio State I think is an underrated option. He is great athleticism numbers that fit the jet scheme, broad jump, vertical, all that stuff, and a great production as well. So he's in the mix. So those are a few I guess I would keep an eye on. Um, I think one thing we should try to do try to do here, though, is um, pick out someone who's completely random, the, you know, the Will McDonald of the second round here, who uh, the Jets might pick that we're not even talking about. Let's try to find that guy. Who do you think? Do you have anyone in mind? Somebody that they're not the talking about. So, uh, yeah, based off of last year, this is off. The, here the was my thought process for for days two and day three of uh, of the draft. I'm looking at Daniel Jeremiah's top 150. We'll see if if like last year, uh, his uh, big board lines up with about what the Jets take. But last year, it sounded like him and, and JD were in lockstep. So, I think it's a great resource to look at if you're trying to get an idea of what the Jets' big board might look like. Obviously. You know, I think Jeremiah had, him at, at, had Will McDonald twenty five. I would imagine the Jets had him a little higher, but again, it feels like a, a good reference point. And I would say, well, before I get into to a random Jet to just predict, I was going to say here are the the offensive linemen on Daniel Jeremiah's big board that are within the the that are still available that are within uh, the Jets pick. And you you tell me which ones stand out to you. There's one you didn't mention that that really stands out to me, and I think the Jets would absolutely take him if he's there. And would maybe even consider trading up for him. So obviously there's Joe Tipman, who's the center from Wisconsin, who I think is very much on the table at 43, especially with McGovern's guard experience. What do you think? Do you think McGovern that we, I remember talking about that in the podcast at one point, how we kind of felt like McGovern might've been better at guard. I mean, is that, is that much of bullshit? No, I think, I think that's on the table. We talked about that. I think because of, you know, you look at some of the biggest issues with McGovern and think it mostly has to do with, letting unblock blitzers through stunts stuff like that maybe a guard obviously you have to pick up blitzes and stunts at guard as well but you know there's just less mental stuff on the plate without having to snap the ball set the protections and then a guard maybe he could his athleticism and physical tools could shine more so i think there's something to be said for that and obviously with with his contract it's not like they're uh, expecting much from him he's more so just you know he's he's back he's security but uh, he's not necessarily penciled in to start. And uh, they also have Cologne, they have Schweitzer. So uh, I could see 
McGovern getting into that mix at guard. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what they do at, at 43 if they like one of these tackles here. Uh, you know, I think they could keep AVT at guard. They could play McGovern at center, and that might be great. But I am intrigued by the idea not only of playing AVT at tackle, but of McGovern at guard. And I think either of these centers, Tippmann or, or John Michael Schmitz, are both scheme fits. Uh, both uh, are tremendous value at 43 as well. I don't know if both will be available. Both might be gone. Um, but they're definitely players to keep an eye out for. The other one that that I have my eye on is is Steve Avila from from TCU. I think he's a great scheme fit. I think he's exactly what the Jets are looking for. And I think if he's on the board at forty three, I think he's their pick. Um, he just he just seems to me like a Joe Douglas pick. But we'll see if he even makes it um, to to forty three. Past the offensive lineman, I know there's a few other guys, um, but past the offensive lineman, is there anybody that you have in mind that you 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 would want the Jets to take a chance on? Well, I think just looking at the board here, we mentioned a couple of the offensive linemen. The centers, I think, are in the mix here. Maybe a tackle. I think defensive tackle and safety are in the mix here as well. But, um, again, like we said, I think we got to try and pinpoint like a complete surprise pick here because that's what we got in the first round. I think the second round is consistently a great spot for that. Like, I think Brees Hall was a surprise pick last year. Um, so for me, I'm looking at this board and what do you think about a tight end here? If we're just going completely out of the yeah. box, because again, no one really was talking about edge in the first round here. So I'm just throwing it out. It there. is a good Michael class. Mayer still on the board. Luke Musgrave, Oregon state. Yeah. There are some tight ends and some of the top tight ends still here. Yeah. And it's like, look, all it takes is, is one tight end injury uh, before the jets are thin at that position. You don't really know what Jeremy record is, although I think you have to like him. He was a third-round pick last year. He didn't really do anything, so you can't rely on him too much. Uzama and Conklin were underwhelming. I think with Rodgers, they'll be a lot better. Uh, but again, you never know about injuries. And both of them are, aren't expected to be back in 2024. I mean, we'll see how things go with Rodgers and the fact that the Jets pushed their money back. That might uh, change things. But before the restructures, the Jets had outs after the 2023 season. And based off last year, you'd expect the Jets to would exercise that out but we'll see how things change either way the tight end would certainly not surprise me again if they if they have somebody on their board and they're picking at 43 and they have somebody in their top 25 they're going to take him and he might not fill a need he might not be a, a an offensive lineman but they're not going to pass on a guy that they believe in or have a first round grade on just to fill a need so i think tight end is is certainly on the table because it is such a good class because there's so many guys at the top half of this class that might even have first round grades on them Somebody's going to fall. There will be a good tight end available at 43. It would not surprise me. Um, I'm trying to think outside. A, a complete surprise. I mean, I was looking at Jack Campbell, but then he got taken in the first round by the Lions. I think like before the draft, when I was looking at TJ's big board, I was reading his scouting report, and I was like, oh, it makes sense to go Cornerback? get Cornerback? How about that? Nah. That that to me complete surprise, complete surprise. We're not saying it's likely. We're just throwing it out there. That would be, I think, the only position they could draft that I would not like at, in the second round. But again, I'm not gonna. Again, I mean, I did just go on like a 20 minute tirade at the beginning of this podcast. The player turns out drafted draft day grades don't mean anything, but uh, I don't know. It's in this scheme, you're not rotating your corners, so there's not really a, a role for him. Maybe Trenton Simpson. Linebacker from Clemson, although the, my thinking with, with Jack Campbell is to go get more of a, a, a pass coverage linebacker, you know, somebody who can replace Mosley, you know, g- give him a year, 
to sit under Mosley and, and learn from him. And then assuming the Jets and Mosley part ways next year, he can fill into that, that starting role. I mean, this is the year that you would do that. Maybe that's Quincy Williams. Maybe they can fill the need when, when Mosley eventually parts ways. Maybe Mosley's here for a few more years. Who knows? But I think a linebacker would certainly be on the table. I'm trying to see which ones are still available. Just checking the, the, the draft results. Uh, I mean, other people that would be completely surprising. I mean, like they could take a defensive tackle because when I was looking at 43, the the two positions that I felt were going to be strongest at this spot were going to be offensive and defensive line. Yeah, I think defensive tackle certainly on, on the table for the Jets. Keanu Benton stands out to me. Also, the, there's the Northwestern defensive tackle whose name I'm not going to embarrass myself and try to. Do you, do you have his pronunciation down? If he's a Jet, I'll I'll get it down, but. I'm just. This is just me trying to take a crack at it. Dedemiwa Adebowale. Dude, they're trying know. to fuck with me on this podcast. I can barely get the current Jets. Adatomiwa Adebowale. Either way, the player's great. I think that's it. I've only read his name. I've literally never said his name out loud. But if he becomes a Jet, I promise I will get it down. Michael, anybody else that you have your eye on at 43? Um, and does how, how differently do you feel about the pick after going with an edge rusher? Do you does that put more emphasis on trying to prioritize the offensive line? Will it feel like a loss tomorrow if the Jets don't go offensive line? Do you think it's possible the Jets trade back because they don't have any picks in the third round? Uh, it's possible they could trade back and try to accumulate more picks and, and fill some of the needs still in the roster. How do you see things playing out tomorrow? And, and is there anybody else you have your eye on? I mean, I think this pick has only further emphasized the mentality that we are both trying to develop coming into this draft. And I think maybe yet we again we failed. Strengthen it enough. Yet again we failed again. It's crazy how every year we fail at it. We got to be ready for anything. <laughs> Awareness isn't the anything issue. at all. You've got to be ready for it. Not all right. Here's two other guys outside of I the main position. I saw him in DJ's big board last week. And he stood out to me, but I was thinking of him in terms of, if I'm being honest, one of the second round picks, because I was like, there's always players in the, the 20s in, in one of these big boards that, that falls to uh, early second round picks, you know, late 30s, early 40s. And so I was scanning that list. Who are these first round talents that could fall that the Jets might have a first round grade on? And he stood out to me as somebody who was like, and I watched, you know, I'll be honest, I watched his YouTube highlights. I didn't watch any game film on him. And he stood out to me as somebody who uh, would fit. Robert Sala's system or somebody that Sala would like. But again, I was just thinking in terms of second round. But no, I promise next year we're looking at all prospects. We'll be evaluating QBs, running backs, long snappers, punters. We can't <laughs> we can't lose yet again. This is like four years in a row that we've we've said this. Um, what, what do you think they're going to do? Make a prediction for 43. Actually try to make up not a random guy, an actual prediction. Who would excite you? Is there somebody that would excite you? Is there anybody you could take? They would. They could take that would have you. I would like to get Dewan Jones. I would. But is that just because like he's to get a tackle? To tackle here. I do like him though. In terms, like his, because his production is, you know, relative to the tackles that got drafted earlier than him is just as good. He allowed the lowest pressure rate among college tackles last year. So, I'm a stats guy. I see stuff like that, and I see potential. So, I do have reasons beyond just him being a tackle even though we just said it i just said we're going to be better at not shopping for needs and there i go doing it but i do think he is you know potentially one of the best players the jets could get overall regardless of position you know who i think um, you know i think we should keep an eye on for 
if the Jets are going to go for an out-of-the-box, because I don't think I ever gave you mine, an out-of-the-box guy, you mentioned tight ends. How about Darnell Washington from Georgia? I feel like Joe Douglas, one of the things we've learned from his scouting department is he loves his freaks. He loves to find the athletic freaks, the guys that could become X-factors and mismatches, and Darnell Washington is exactly that. I mean, he's one of the tallest tight ends that I've ever seen. I think, was he 6'7", I think, 6'8"? Um, terrific blocker. He seems like one of those guys that if he gets to the right place with the right coaching staff and the right scheme, he can develop into one of those those absolute unicorns at that position that you say, how did teams pass on him? He's a little raw maybe as a pass catcher, but I mean, not raw enough to to pass on him at 43. So if you're going to go with, with an out-of-the-box take, a, a specific player that I could see the Jets taking or Joe Douglas falling in love with, we talk about tight ends, it would be Darnell Washington. I think that's somebody that that I could see that I think, again, Jets fans might get upset with because he's not a, a an offensive lineman, but then once they watch him, I think they would understand um, the type of player that they could bring into the building. Who's uh, who's your your prediction? Prediction? So not like preference? All right, fine, preference. That, well, that was my like outside-the-box take. We already went over that. I know, that's so what I'm saying. That's why, that's why I pivoted. Now. That's why I said prediction, but okay. Okay. All right, it's my bad. Um, I don't know. It's so hard to predict. You can name like eight guys and probably get it wrong in the second round. Even if we did that in the first round, we would have been we would have been yeah, wrong. Were, I, yeah, it would have taken us a long time to have guessed Will McDonald. <laughs> How many takes do you think that I, I got? Nothing. Thirty. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably just, just really read, deep to get there. Probably would have just read the big board. But, Go straight down the board until you get to him and. Like thirty three, wherever he was, he's twenty five on his big board. Um, is Brian Branch still available? Yeah, he is. That is definitely. I don't think he's going to get to forty three. You don't know. You don't know. We didn't you think never, he'd be at this that's point. That's true. You never know. If Brian Branch fell to forty three, I think he's <laughs> he would definitely be the pick. But I I, I think he's going to go within the first few picks. I feel like whenever that happens, just like it did with Smith and Jigba today, like. A guy falls, Steven, you're like, we're definitely going to be the team to get him. And then you just are another team that passes on him. Yeah. And also, you know, you never know why these players are falling. He might be falling for a reason. But right. from from what I watched, it's like, okay, you can add a, a jack-of-all-trades defensive back from Alabama. And again, the falling should be put in quotes. That's just relative to what we expect. Exactly. Again, yeah, he's, he's, 30, he's 31 on DJ's big board. And <laughs> pick 32 is, is tomorrow, and he very well might go – first second or third and on day two and so he's he's not necessarily falling but if somehow he did fall to 43 that would be an exciting pick uh all right official prediction all right we said the out of the box picks preferences i think certainly my preference would be ideally if there's an offensive lineman that they like one of the centers and i think that's what i'm going to predict as well ah i kind of want to i'm i'm it's torn between Avila and John Michael Schmitz. I'm gonna go John Michael Schmitz. I think I think that's who they're gonna take tomorrow. Maybe he gets right, maybe I'll, he gets taken. I'm gonna stay the same position, but maybe a more surprising name. I'm gonna go with Luke Weipler. At 43. Yep. Let's see where, where's, they just let's picked see where Will DJ McDonald. Let's see where DJ has him. Let's see where, let's see where DJ has him. That not is, top that's, not top sixty. Not basically the 70. Bible of the draft for the Jets. <laughs> top 80. This is the top 150, so I'm going to keep going. Top, He's not in the top 100, <laughs> bro. I don't know about this. Oh, man. Michael, he's not even in the it's top. It's going to rock the world. He's not even in the top 115. All right. 
125. There it is. Luke Weipler. There you go. So that would there's there's your prediction. Very optimistic draft for you, Michael. I think they could maybe. I, I think he's more of an option of. I think he'll probably go round three, maybe round four, especially with these other centers available. I just don't see if they're going to take Weipler, unless they have him above John Michael Schmitz or Tippmann, you're telling me that both those centers are going to go Osiris Torrance, Steve Avila, at least are probably above, above Weipler. So four off, it just seems like that would be either, either you're reaching for a need by, by taking an interior offensive lineman uh, or I guess, like we saw today, maybe they would have him above some of those players, but I I don't know. Just from, from what I've seen, I don't think he's as good as Tidman or, or John Michael Schmitz. I would go, between the two of them, I think I'd go John Michael Schmitz. How do you feel between Tidman and – I mean, they're both they're both fantastic players. I mean, Tidman – I, I will say, when I look at Tidman, he's, he's tall for a center, but he does look like he'll just be an absolute stud for like 10, 15 years. All right, Michael, last thing before we get out of here. How likely do you think it is uh, that they trade down at 43? Because I think that's definitely uh, on the table. That's definitely on the table. Let's put it at 60%. Yeah. May, more likely than not, you think, to get that third yeah, rounder? Yeah, I would say so. I think, I think they wanted to trade that first pick, and they couldn't do it. Um, there, obviously, there's a big gap after this pick until they come up again. In the fourth round, I think they're going to want to fill that in. A little bit. So how much? How I, much? I think they are going to try and do how it. How much of tonight? Do you th- Remember, they did it in uh, his first draft with Mims. Yeah, that's true. In that second round. How, how much of tonight do you do you think will be featured on the one Jets drive this year? Because compared to last year, we got the whole war room. We got to see the celebration. I bet you this year might not have been as as joyous in there. There might have been a, a few curse words. Maybe like a quarter of one episode. Yeah, they'll, they'll just show like a quick minutes. little montage. <laughs> maybe them calling him. But they're not going to show any of picks one to fourteen, how the Jets were reacting, and the maybe trade discussions or whatever. I mean, or maybe we'll find out that they had this kid. I, I, I don't. I don't think that. How problems. crazy is that in hindsight? It's like exactly how we reacted actually turned out to be justified based on the performance. Yeah, it, it's like we knew when it happened what they were going to get. Yeah, but that's definitely not the case every year. There's been plenty of times where I've been. It's not the case. I mean, the year before that, we were. But I don't think we've been that excited. No, that that before. felt special for sure, because it, there there is something when you feel like the value lines up with the need, and I think the value maybe didn't. Li- I think I think McDonald, from what I've seen, again we have to watch more of him. Taking a fifteenth isn't egregious value. I don't agree with people saying that. You could say he doesn't fill the need. You could criticize that thought process, but. I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, uh, I, I, you can't hate best player available if you have faith in your scouting department. Best player available with, with Mike McCagnan is a little different than best player available with the scouting department. That is, you know, last year's draft was was a home run. The draft before that, you know, obviously stuff with Zach Wilson hasn't really worked out at all, but Elijah Vera Tucker was a great pick. Elijah Moore, they just flipped and got a second back. I don't know. I still I still have faith in, in Joe Douglas's uh, – scouting staff with that said michael i think it's time to get out of here uh you can follow us at toj pod on twitter myself ben of blessington michael michael underscore nania go to jetsxfactor.com for the best place to go for jets content uh please rate review subscribe on itunes michael last thoughts before uh we come back tomorrow night after uh day two uh i don't have anything to say about uniform so no no last thoughts well is there anything on the draft any any words of wisdom 
I, I would just say be patient with it. I don't think any draft is worth, you know, overreacting to because everyone just has to realize you got to watch these guys play before you could truly judge anything. And I think it, I think to do anything otherwise would just be overinflating your own analytical abilities for anyone to act like they know who the right pick was in this slot that you had to steal, you had to reach, whatever is uh, it's just not accurate because even the NFL teams who pay dozens and dozens of scouts to travel the country and spend their entire lives scouting these guys, they mess it up on a yearly basis. So nobody knows how this thing is going to pan out. Just give it some time. All right, Michael, I like it. We will be back tomorrow night. Might come out Friday morning, uh, considering this one is it's 12.15 in the morning right now, so I'd imagine this pod's not going to make it out until 1 or 2. Uh, but we will be dropping these after each uh, night of the draft, so be on the lookout uh, for tomorrow's podcast, and then we'll have another one after day three. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great night. Go Jets.